From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, one of the things that Aaron and I have always talked about uh, on the show is, you know, the, the main purpose of this podcast has always been about educating people, about trying to help them understand new technologies and, and new trends and so forth. And we've always had this thing in the back of our mind where, you know, a long time ago, when you wanted to learn new technologies, you, you had to cobble together a lot of stuff. You People had home labs. They cobbled together hardware and software and a lot of different things. And we've always wished that it was really, really simple to to just, like, fire up your browser, you know, start doing some stuff on the Internet and, uh, and make learning possible. And, um, you know, we kicked around ideas about it in the past and never really executed it on. And uh, the good news is today we're going to talk to somebody who actually went and, and made that possible and is, and is making it very, very cool. So very excited to have Ben Hall, who is uh, founder of Ocelot Uproar, which is ultimately the creator of Katakoda. Uh, so Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to, uh, great to join. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background before we jump into Katakoda. Tell us a little bit about your background and and sort of what drove you to to creating this uh, this online environment that's got people so excited? Certainly. So before Katakoda, I was um, a developer working in on quite an interesting project. It was doing some machine learning. It was trying to identify and predict failures before they happened. And so it was designed to be very um, intensive in terms of workloads and the amount of data being produced. And this was in the very early days. There was no um, Kubernetes as such or what we know Kubernetes is today. Docker existed, but it was in the very early stages. And so I joined this company, I joined this project, and I kind of had a very of um, a very rapid way of having to learn how to get started um, and so that's what kind of drove me to you or kind of drove me to build Katakoda. Um, I had to learn all of these new shiny technologies and new ways of working and I just didn't enjoy how everyone was doing it at the moment um, and so I tried to find something something more interesting yeah. and so I've been around for a while um, before that um, I've been Node.js developers. I've been a software tester. I've been first-line tech support. I've done the kind of different rounds um, of the different stages of software development. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we love we love talking to people who ultimately create. Uh, you know, the, the the technology they create or the the product and service they create ultimately was kind of born out of a problem that they had themselves. It wasn't just oh, I analyzed the market. It was like I need this thing. So let's talk a little bit about Katakoda um, to to give folks uh, just some really basic background. Um, it's a online environment, online self paced tutorials, uh, totally browser based. So. Imagine somebody says, hey, you know, you should learn about Docker or Kubernetes or Jenkins or something, um, you know, instead of having to go build a home lab and, and, you know, wire a bunch of stuff up and run up a big power bill, you just literally fire up your browser. So tell us a little bit about the, the origin of Katakoda and, and, and how you've come about, you know, having these environments for people about all these new cool cloud native technologies. Yeah, so as I was saying, Katakoda was born out of my own personal frustration. Um, I joined this new project, and uh, I had to learn um, kind of what we now deem cloud-native um, as a kind of pattern and architecture and 
kind of thought process to how you scale systems. And so I had to understand how a Docker worked. And like at the time, you would think, hey, cool, everyone knows containers. So it's all kind of like you just get started. But the, the documentation and what was available online was pretty uh, light at the time. And it was fundamentally was um, have it installed with boot to Docker on your Mac. Um, here's how you install it on Linux. And kind of off you go to the races and go with it in production. And very quickly, it realized there was a lot more considerations required than if you containers, um, off you go. Like, how do you orchestrate containers? How do you run up um, kind of different environments? And so I started looking around, looking at building things like Docker Compose until I realized Docker Compose existed. That, okay, well, that's frustrating because if I knew that in advance, then I would have just saved myself a lot of time and effort and would have, wouldn't have been looking at reinventing the wheel. And so that was the kind of final straw, which was like, great, I'm going to build a platform which centralizes what developers actually need to know in order to be productive and get the most out of all of these new toolings that are going to be built around this new concept of Docker and containers. And we went from there. And so what we have is an interactive learning and training platform for software developers and primarily focused on cloud-native technologies. So as you're saying, how do you get started running a container, but up to how do you make sure Docker is secure in production and you're running containers securely? How do you scale them with Kubernetes? And how do you do things like actually make Kubernetes production-ready and secure and backed up and reliable? And all of these actual moving parts you need to take into account, not just the, hey, you've got a cluster, there you go. Right, right. Yeah, and then, and I think the, the beauty of this thing is, um, you know, the, the, the challenge of so many of these technologies is, you know, you, you watch um, you watch people at meetups or you watch people at events and they go, hey, let me show you how this cool new technology works, whether it's Docker or I don't know, TensorFlow or whatever it is. And you kind of watch it and you go, okay, that, that, that looks cool. I'd like to get started. I'd like to learn it. And like you said, you read through the docs and then you start playing with a little bit and you're like, oh man, I ran into a problem. I ran into a thing. I, I wish somebody was with me that knew this stuff because it, it, you know, like you can easily get frustrated from the, oh, it seems cool and simple and it, powerful to uh, I'm stuck on something and I don't know where to go. And, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable sending a question. You don't know what question to send to a Slack group or something. And these are all very structured. They're, uh, you know, they're they're self-paced. They're kind of tutorial-based and so forth. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of the the beyond the browser experience. I mean, what do what do people need to get started? Everything appears to be free. Uh, everything appears to be within the browser. Is there is there anything more that that people need to get started? Uh, you know, to just like you said, start learning Docker or start learning a little about Kubernetes or whatever it might be. No, not at all. We. Focus very much and have kept a very clear focus on trying to remove all of the barriers to learning. And so um, we don't charge. We don't, um, on many of the courses, we don't even ask for an email address or sign up. You can just jump straight in and you are given a complete environment. And so that's been at the heart of what we're trying to build. And that's also representative about some of the advantages of having this um, browser-based or browser-accessible environment where we can tie in the dependencies and the configuration with the content itself. So instead of looking at a Getting Started Guide or something on Stack Overflow or Pluralsight, um, for example, which may be out of sync or outdated, 
with Katakoda, you know that the two are always in sync. And so you know that as you're going through the materials, the environment is that uh, correct version to match. So you're reading the documentation on Kubernetes 1.10, you have the 1.10 environment there pre-configured, ready and waiting for you. And so again, it removes some of that background noise, the consideration processes about getting started and lets you focus on what's important, which is the topic at hand and focus on understanding the principles, going through, following the steps. It's um, both structured and unstructured learning. So you can follow the steps and you can see the best practices and the best ways to do it. But if you want to see what's happening under the covers, you have the complete environment. Your route, you have full access, you can poke around and you can look at how Kubernetes manages IP tables if you really wish to, or debug what's happening inside of the API. And if it all goes horribly wrong and you break something, you just hit refresh and you're given a brand new fresh environment and you can try again and kind of continue learning, make mistakes, break things, but do it in a nice, safe environment where you're not going to accidentally take down production or staging. Right, right. And and the thing I love about it is, you know, it's... It's built in very modular ways. So, you know, you can start, you know, take any of the topics. You can start with the most basic things, like just kind of introduction to the thing. Um, you know, how do I get started? And then it kind of builds upon itself. It, it only sort of builds vertically. Um, so, for example, maybe it's like, how do I get a Kubernetes cluster running? Now, how do I get a highly available cluster running? Now, how do I do more advanced types of things? But it also sort of builds horizontally. So it's, you know, you want to dive into the networking aspect of it, you can do that. You want to dive into, you know, how do I do health monitoring, you know, from an ops role perspective, you can do that. How do I play with something like Helm, you know, which is very more application centric and and application templating, you can play with that. So I I love that aspect of it is you can kind of customize the learning to what you want to do. And, and like you said, um, it's, it's structured enough that you don't have to worry that you're going to blow something up. You also don't have to worry that, oh, okay, I, I spun up some resources on AWS to sort of learn this stuff and I forgot about them. And, <laughs> you know, like a month later, you get a bill for $600 or something that you were like, oh, I forgot I, I had spun yep, up. I've been, know, there, been there and did that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as, as I look through the topics that are on there, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are kind of core basic things. So, you know, Docker and Kubernetes and Prometheus. and But there's also a few that are sort of vendor specific. So for example, Weave um, from Weaveworks has some things on there. Um, the Red Hat OpenShift team has some things on there, which is my team and my, my day job and others. Like, what's the interaction between who's building these things? Obviously, I would assume the vendors are building some of those, but who else is building them? And are there, you know, is this kind of community driven? Do, you know, do certain modules come in from the community or, or how does all that sort of work together? Yeah, so it's an interesting um, mixture. Um, and so there's lots of different viewpoints and experiences which go into building out the Katakoda um, content. So um, primarily, a lot of the content which you see on katakoda.com was originally created by myself. So this was my own experiences or talks which I was delivering at conferences, workshops which I was delivering, which then I was producing the content and then making that available for free on Katakoda. And so that allowed us to bootstrap a lot of the materials which you see on the core foundations. So like, if you're interested in service mesh, then there's Istio content. If you're interested in Kubernetes, then we've got all those getting started guides, etc. We've also kind of explored into certain verticals, like how do you run a .NET application 
or Java application within these environments and within these toolings. And then as kind of Katakoda started to become more um, reliable and as patterns emerging, this is when we started speaking to, as you um, pointed out, different vendors like Weaveworks and Red Hat and um, storage companies like Storage OS um, and many other companies and kind of helping them showcase what makes their products interesting, showcase how their products work and making it in a fun, interactive way. So building on top of the underlying platform, but having it very targeted to what their tooling requires and how to showcase it in the best possible light and actually get to the heart of why it's important and why it matters to developers and why developers should um, be aware of it. And so OpenShift is a great example. That started as kind of um, a little prototype and it's like, cool, we've got OpenShift running on top of Catacoda. And so you Within a couple of seconds, you would have an OpenShift cluster to play around and learn with. And then over time, the different teams have taken different use cases or different situations that they're discussing and talking about and demoing anyway, and moved on and create additional interactive content alongside what they're already um, what they're already producing. And so this is where we saw um, people starting to write Istio content on top of OpenShift. But how do you combine these two great technologies and get the best out of both sides? And instead of having to worry about the infrastructure, you just let Catacoda take care of all of that. And then they can repurpose the content which they already have. And it's a great way to combine these two different kind of experiences, um, the knowledge and product experts building and producing all of the content. And then we can focus on scaling the platform, making sure it's reliable, making sure it's secure and everything. And then companies don't have to reinvent the wheel about how do they manage their trial or training environments, for example, we can take care of that, all of that for them. Right. And now, as over time, we're slowly seeing more community content um, be produced on the platform. Anyone can go on and start creating content and repurpose uh, init- um, our existing environments. So if you want to start writing content on top of Kubernetes, for example, you can go onto Catacoda and create your own profile and just start producing these interactive materials and interactive um, ways of learning and sharing different toolings and different techniques, um, which has been great to see. The community has come up with some really interesting concepts, particularly around things like serverless and kubeless, um, which we haven't had to get involved in, and the community has kind of just taken it um, and kind of ran with it themselves, but also beyond cloud native. So we've had Barbara Fasinska, um, who works at Google. She's produced lots of content around machine learning, TensorFlow, using R, NLP, Python, all of this amazing content, which has equally the same problems as cloud native. It's like, how do you set up the infrastructure? How do you run very large machine learning workloads without having a very powerful machine? Um, and so she's been using Catacoda um, to solve that problem, which has been great, <clears throat> which has been great to see. Um, and very interesting to learn from. Yeah, no, and, and and that part is very cool because ultimately there's there's content out there that's a mix of uh, you know if you're more on the operational side of things, uh, you know, like we mentioned the the, the Docker's and OpenShifts and Kubernetes and, and other things are there. Um, if you're kind of DevOps oriented, um, there's things like uh, like Jenkins and um, you know and GitHub and some of the tooling you're going to need around automation. And then, like you mentioned, you know for developers. Um, you know, there are things specific to languages. So, you know, R, Golang's out there, you know, Java's out there. Um, so it's a, it's a really good platform for everybody. And I know, 
myself, you know, being on the OpenShift team, we use it. We use it all the time. I mean, two scenarios we use all the time is we run a lot of um, you know interactive events where people will come out and want to do hands-on learning and, and instruction, and we're able to spin up environments. Uh, well, not even have to spin up environments, but just literally tell people, hey, just bring your laptop with you. You don't have to download a bunch of things ahead of time. Um, we don't have to worry about you know, did we get capacity planning right for this event? <laughs> you know, it's a hundred in Toronto, but two hundred and fifty in New York City, like. Yeah. You just do it. Um, but also we can, you know, we can have a, a sit down meeting with a customer and, you know, and tell anybody who's in that room or on their team, like, hey, you can start playing with this. And oh, by the way, if you're not familiar with even the basics, so like in the case of OpenShift, it's like, well, you probably should know a little bit about containers or maybe you want to know some some underlying Kubernetes. Like you can go play around with those things first and they're not dependent on each other. They're not, you know, you don't you don't run into these situations where it's like, oh, my my company hasn't signed up for that license yet. You can you can go be independent and go play with that stuff. So that's, you know, as an example, it's worked out really well, both at a larger community level and an individual level. And uh, we've been incredibly happy with, with kind of working on it. Um, for folks that are, that are curious, you know, how do you, how do you keep these environments running and how do you make a great experience out of this? What are some of the backend technologies that, that you've had to use to, to make this all come together? Um, it's been an interesting experience, um, to put together the, um, Katakoda. Um, as I kind of described at the beginning, like we started Katakoda when the whole kind of space was very early. And so, Kind of probably the first six months of Katakoda was literally working around issues. Um, things like containers wouldn't always 100% start, um, as you would expect, um, because there was such early technology. And so we had to build in a lot of, um, custom kind of aspects to the platform, which ensured that no matter what's happening, um, the user gets that great experience and we can firefight into the covers and spin wheels and work around potential issues or potential bugs um, within underlying platforms. And so that was a lot of interesting experiences and built a lot of experience and just kind of what is happening under the covers. And so at the time, we had to build our own schedulers. Um, Kubernetes was coming along very nicely and was definitely building momentum. But I wouldn't say it was ready for us to pull it into production at that point in time. Um, it definitely wasn't where it is now. Um, so we kind of took inspiration from that and built something very targeted um, based on our needs about how do you spin up these um, environments very quickly and spend a lot of time focusing on performance. We didn't want to ruin people's motivation by spinning them a wheel for even 60 seconds is enough that you'll get distracted and check your email or go into Twitter instead of kind of focusing on what you're trying to learn. And so we wanted to get it down into that second, two second um, access time so that when you really want to learn and you want to be, you have that um, excitement, we don't destroy it. And so that's why um, we spend a lot of time um, focusing on performance. And then those kind of schedulers are very similar to what you'd see on Kubernetes. We spin up different environments based on what, you're connecting to so if you're trying python or tensorflow then you're connected to a container if you're trying kubernetes or openshift then it's um, a virtual machine um, with some additional ad enhancements in the covers um, we don't want to introduce black magic we don't want to fake it we don't want it to be different to what you would be running in production or in a cloud provider like azure or ec2 or google we want 
you to have that same experience. And so we've had to kind of simulate or kind of like build um, experiences very, uh, very aligned to that, just um, with different focuses. Like, how do you make sure that it's secure when he never asks people for an email address or a credit card and he gives them complete access and root access to a terminal window? Right? You have lots of people trying lots of interesting um things um to (laughs) see what they can do right um bitcoin mining obviously um and a few other ones just uh entertaining and things which we've had to build in order to make sure that we can actually support the platform right right yeah no uh (laughs) yeah exactly bitcoin mining and and other stuff tends to be um, something you have to be actively looking to make sure people aren't just wasting resources so very cool hey listen um one last question i want to be conscious of your time um where do you uh, where do you see this going i mean how 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 far do you sort of think out or do you have, you know, maybe a, a bigger picture in mind of, of where this could expand to? Obviously, um, you know, you do uh, a lot of consulting yourself. You're over in London um, and this this can help support, uh, you know, what, what you do. But do you have a bigger picture of where this might go or is right now just getting all these things on there a big enough challenge as it is? Uh, we definitely have a bigger picture and our plans. Um, in the short term, it's working with different companies to make sure that we can um, showcase their pro- products in the best possible light. And so sometimes that means the current experience which you see today, but it may be a different experience and different situations um, call for different learning approaches. As you're saying, if you're in a workshop and you have an instructor in front of you, your kind of experience is very different to if you're by yourself in the office at your desk. Or if you're delivering a customer demo, then you don't need or want the long-winded explanations, but maybe you do want to call out the script or the um, major touch points about what you're discussing, um, but just to have more of a high level and then let the product do the talking for itself. And so we're working on some different experiences to make and showcase that in best possible light. Um, We've added things like interactive quizzes. So when you get to the end of a content, we ask you certain questions to make sure that you are, um, one, paying attention, but two, also as a refresher. So like what are the three major things you should be taking away? And so you kind of answer these questions. You can check the environment to see if you um, are correct or to get the answer um, and figure out the answer for yourself. And then when you get all the questions right, you get a nice congratulations and you can finish that module and move on to the next one. And so we're looking at ways to explore that. And then... We're listening to the community. We are heavily engaged with the different projects and the different communities that are in this space. I work. I used to be the organizer of Docker London meetups. We work closely with the other meetups in and around the area. And we see what people's problems are. We see what people are trying to learn and struggling with. And then we want to be there to help and support them. And that's what our focus will be um, over the next um, period of time. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, um, if folks want to reach out to you, I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, katakota.com is the place to find everything. But if folks want to reach out to you, um, what's a good way to maybe get in touch with you if they have, you know, questions or, you know, want to explore helping you expand it? Yeah. So um, email is just ben at katakota.com. And Twitter is probably the most um, quickest way to get me, get my attention. So ben underscore hall. Um, you'll find me in there. Um, but generally just search Google um, for Katakoda and you can see the various different ways um, and whatever works best for you. We have different options and we, we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, very, very cool. And folks, I, um, you know, 
as a as a user of the platform and, and somebody who <clears throat> whose teams build a lot of these things, I, I can't recommend it any stronger. It's really it's it's a really great way to learn, but it's also a really great way to get um, content out there in a way that that people um, want to use and and takes a lot of the friction out of it for them. So, um, Ben, thank you so much for the time today. Really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoy the platform. And uh, folks, hopefully you'll get a chance to go out and, and play around with it if you're if you're learning about new development technologies, new cloud native stuff, new languages and so forth. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. As always, folks, thanks for listening this week and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes and everything social media and visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.